2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oldly Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 76. And as always, if you want to listen to us wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify, feel free to subscribe there. Search black and white and red all over. Throw in the Juventus as well, because as I've recently come to discover, there is another podcast that searches black and white and red all over. So, although I think the topics are not anywhere close to being the same as what we talk about here so it's a news
1: podcast it
2: is a news podcast that I don't think has posted an episode in about a year and a half so at least we've got that on them so anyways now that we've got that said let me bring in Sam Lopressi hello Sam
1: hello Danny who here had Juve's Storia di un grande amore on their year-end Spotify thing anybody did you, did you anybody?
2: have our podcast on your, your my, my
1: my podcast was indeed on my spot on my spotify however you guys know i would have maybe been on there but it's amazing how in less than three months all of the songs that would have probably been in my top five ended up replaced by things on the playlist that we used to calm julian down
2: i was gonna say that probably uh, <laughs> i probably skews a little younger these days it's
1: and it's, it's not really i mean we're not like it, we're thank god we're not playing like baby shark or anything to him we're actually just we're actually
2: you just you wait yeah and no,
1: right, right now we we'll see we're, we're trying to get him early we've got we're we're playing him show tunes and he seems to really enjoy it
2: corner Your family that makes perfect
1: yeah, Corner, uh, Corner of the Sky is, like, number one on my list now because he, 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 he loves that when he plays all the time. He uh, likes yeah. Pippin. So.
2: And we've got Chucks. How are your show tunes doing, Chucks?
1: Uh, I'm,
0: I'm perhaps showing my uh, lack of being um, up-to-date with things, but I have, A, ah. no idea what that is, and B, I don't even have Spotify. So, yeah, shame on me twice, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, Broadway, Broadway
1: Chucks, Broadway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, oh right 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 right. okay yeah i ah, can always edit that out <laughs> um yeah so uh, yeah here i am good to see you
2: and we are sergio list this week because as we were joking beforehand and before we hit record he's actually spending the weekend in a place that is having warm weather as compared to where the three of us are sitting so
1: fist shake
2: that's right with that being said samuel what's your takeaway from the week and does it involve the numbers four two three one
1: uh, yeah, it really does. You know, you and I specifically, but everybody has been calling for this for months now, but it really, and, and yes, you have to caveat that, you know, these were the two bottom teams in the league that we were playing this week, uh, and Genoa in particular, not only were they are they in 19th right now, they also have an injury crisis, to, you know, as, as far as the day is long. I was hope I was really looking forward to this game because I would like to have seen Nicola Rivella and see what he can do really in person. I've watched a couple of general games to keep track of him, but this would have been a nice uh, this would have been a nice a nice little showcase for him, but uh, he but he was injured midweek. But yeah, this is how i the the team ought to look. it it fits everybody's skill sets the best. It's still not perfect, but the way this roster is put together with all these, disparate players who don't necessarily fit together as a cohesive whole. It's the best that there is right now. And, you know, the, the, the pa- the ball was moving a lot better. The passing was a lot better, even from game to game between Salernitana on Tuesday and, and Genoa. Now, you, you know, the pat, the passing was crisper. It was click, you know, it was clicking guys had ideas of where the ball was going and it was going there. The finishing needs, needs work. When haven't we said that this season, but after you know after after a week in which Juve just just had absolutely nothing in terms of attacking impetus at all and attacking ideas at all to see these last two these last two games and this formation change and and to see the team actually start moving forward with an idea of what they're going to do that's a real breath of fresh air and it has to stay like this for the foreseeable future i think because Otherwise, I mean, you know, what are you going to do with, you know, if you, if you go back to the four, what are you going to do? Go back to the four, four, two and, and the offense and the offensive opportunities dry up again. I I think that this, that this is, this should be here to stay and it should have happened a lot, a lot earlier than this.
0: Yeah. I agree with that uh, takeaway. I'll uh, take it a slightly different direction though for uh, yeah. For my takeaway. I
2: I forgot to ask Chuck, what is your, (laughs)
0: no no worries I uh, you know I took the ball and ran with it I uh, saw the loose ball there and just uh, you you know pounced on it and uh, ran with it (laughs) uh, my takeaway kind of expands from my monthly recap which which is you know uh, one one section I I wrote about in my review was about just our attacking our lack of attacking success this year I I, that's probably the best word to use because uh, still at the time of write or at the time of speaking now and indeed at the time of uh writing uh, my review then only six teams in the league uh had score have scored uh, fewer goals uh than juventus have uh, those teams are still uh, well the bottom three uh, sorry the bottom five actually uh venezia spezia genoa cagliari and salernitana um, and our neighbors uh torino so yeah i mean that's uh Not very good. Uh, I still don't think that's very good. Despite the fact that, okay, in the last week, now we've had consecutive 2-0 victories against Salernitana and Genoa (laughs) consecutively. But still, I thought, take the game against Genoa, for instance. Yeah, I mean, it was a very comfortable victory. Uh, We comprehensively outplayed them, but we're still extremely wasteful in front of goal. Granted, Seagull was in... Inspired form uh, today. So I'll give him credit for that, of course. And most of our, sh- I mean, a lot of our shots were on target. Um, just pulling up the stats according to life score, 13 shots were on target. So, I mean, that uh, is well, good, <laughs> very good, of course. I believe we have 27 shots in total or something like that. So, you know, as roughly half of them were on target, which, uh, you know, I-, I think that is very good. But you know, playing against other teams, we're not going to have the luxury of being able to only score two goals out of 27 shots taken in total. You know, We won't have that luxury. And that is reflected in the fact that we still have very, very low goal scoring uh, record so far this season. To be precise, it is 22 goals scored in 16 games, which is, I mean, a tiny, tiny bit over one goal scored per game. That said, I mean, we've conceded 16 and 16 as well. So, yeah that is exactly one goal conceded per game so um you know we've kind of gone up and down from defense being bad and attack being good to now defense being apparently better which i think connects to sam's point of information change which you know i think has helped to protect the, uh, the defense uh, more but then now we just need to score a little bit more <laughs> so yeah i mean i think that's kind of kind of what I took away from this week, but I mean, also helped the fact that we played the bottom, uh, was it 20th place and 18th place of the league?
2: Yeah. And obviously it's, it's definitely as, as, Sergio would say, as we, as he jokingly said, when you were gone last week, Chuck's our dearly departed Sergio, you know, he would say <laughs> caveat, 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 caveat. Yeah. Like we, like you just said, you know, two relegation battlers. And I think it's, it's safe to say the, uh, Seller Seller Nitana, i can never i can't say it i can't spell it good you know good luck for me the rest of this episode you know they're it looks like they're essentially relegated already with how how their season is going so you know you, you take that into account yeah these are games Juventus should have won with relative ease especially with the way they did against genoa but i think as we know these games have been so far from routine for juventus the last couple of years it's you, know, you can't just bank the three points before kickoff like we have like we have done in previous years and then that, that that's that and you just have to wait for the team to score a goal or two and game's over but for me I feel like just the fact that this team looks and kind of like what Sam said the team this team looks like they have an actual idea of what they want to do now as they attack rather than you know it's kind of like okay four you know the 442 with Robbio on the left wing it's really just kind of so, unbalanced in terms of where the attack is coming from it's like okay if quadrado isn't doing anything if case isn't doing anything if Dybala isn't doing anything then we're screwed now it's like okay there's there's an outlet whether it's Bernadeschi on the left Kulusevsky on the right and uh, we can get to Kulusevsky later because he actually looks a little bit like the Kulusevsky that I think we were hoping for last year and this year as well and just you know there there are more options now and like we said there needs to be better finishing hopefully that will come with time but yeah i think just the the switch in formation has allowed this team to play a little more freely rather than okay let's pack eight or nine people behind the box and hope that we can hit somebody on the counterattack so
1: it really does speak to how how the season has gone and really the last two seasons have gone when it comes to games like this that until paulo Bala scored in the 82nd minute i'm sure that everybody was on absolute edge afraid that genoa was gonna you know was gonna equalize when they didn't take a shot the entire game <laughs> i was afraid to
2: start writing my post game yeah. because i'm like once i get about 300 words into this thing guarantee you genoa is gonna score because that yeah. has happened so many times over the last couple of years it's just like well
1: and and, and it was like begin? and And like, literally Genoa did not take a shot the entire match, which I don't even think that, that like, even in the, in in the super BBC, uh, BBC and GG years did, did, was there like, I remember there were a couple of games where there were no shots on target. I don't think I, it's been a long, long time since we've played a game where the opponent did not take a shot over 90 minutes. But there I was like on the the WhatsApp that we have for the 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 club here in New York, thinking saying, we have to kill off this game. We have to kill off this game, we have to kill off this game. Because it that's just the way it's been. <laughs> it 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 really is, you know, it's 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 striking that change in mindset. Um but going into this, the thing that I think the 4231 does, and I, and we've been saying this ad nauseum for a while now the four, the thing that the 4-2-3-1 does the best is that it puts players in their proper positions without the you know without the need to tinker and if you have a player in his natural position he's going to he's going to be more successful cuz that's just what his instincts do you you talked about Kulusevsky just now and in your post game thread like how much more you know how much better does he look right now as a guy who can you know, as, as a guy who can do what he wants to do on the wing and what really made him successful at Parma um, and what made him successful at the end of the year last year at Juve when Pirlo finally moved him out there, uh, as opposed to, you know, playing through the middle like he had been for, for such a, a long amount of time these last two years. I mean, he still isn't like, he still isn't perfect. He still really needs that right foot to come along there's so many instances where I look at Kulusevsky and I, and I can see the cross there, but he doesn't take it because he just doesn't want to use his right foot. It's, it's a lot like DiBala early on. Uh, but, you know, DiBala developed his right. And it's actually, it's refreshing to see him hit, hit with his right quite a bit now, but it makes ever when everybody's in the right spot, everybody's better. You know, Locatelli, like you, again, you said in your post-game thread, Locatelli has played in this formation for so long under De Zerbi, So he knows how it's supposed to work and he has been commanding it. He has really been, he has turned into these last two games, that mid, that midfield general that we all thought he could be and that Juventus kind of needed. He still needs m- more talent around him. Bentancourt had a good game, not like the greatest. Uh, I'd really like to see him and McKenny together in this formation. But it's just, it's just nice to see everybody doing the things that their instincts tell them to do and doing them really, really well for the most part. Again, the finishing, eh. um, Also, and this is more a question of just the availability of players at the moment, it is a little weird, that bank of three behind the striker. Right now, it's just, it's three left-footed guys. And they're all trying to get onto their left foot. And it's a little wonky. It does kind of throw things a little out of whack. You know, you get Chiesa back in the new year, throw him on the right side, and I think that changes things. I mean, put Chiesa into this formation and you know, changes a lot of things. But overall, I'm just, you know, like I said before, I just keep my 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 main reaction as I've been watching these last two games is just finally. Cause it 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 and and it makes me I really do wonder what took so long. We'll never know. We're not in the locker room, but I like Allegri's a smart coach. He's used this formation before. What do you, you know, what took him so long looking at this roster the way it is? Yeah, the only
0: the only note I'll make on like a 4231 is uh whenever I see a 4231 I always wonder kind of what the difference between that and a 442 is. Just I guess just in practice, I mean not just theoretical, but also in practice and I guess what I come down to is, um, yeah, mainly one thing, really. Because, for instance, um, uh, AC Milan, you know, they play, uh, they play a 4-2-3-1 with, uh, I guess it's what, Kessier and Benasser slash Donali and uh, Brahim Diaz, uh, Sal- Salamakers and uh, Rafael Leao and Diplano Wow, I actually know all that. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the main difference is that that trequartista, I guess, that, that one behind the... Um, striker but behind the main striker so in our case it's DiBala behind uh, Morata and in the case of Milan it's uh Bahin Diaz behind Shiru or Iwaimovic um so you know you, you compare those two players and and I think I think what makes to me I, basically what I'm trying to say is like I think a four four two is often very similar to a four two three one, just depending on that one so I think if that that one diaz slash dibala is more of a striker i think it leans more towards a 4-4-2 because in our case i mean dibala is more a striker than a midfielder uh whereas from what i understand from what i've seen uh, someone like brahim diaz just again for the comparison someone like brahim diaz is more of a you know midfielder than a uh than a striker so i guess it's just you know what does that mean defensively i think someone like diaz would defend more Uh, when we don't have or when out of of possession then DiBala would, uh, for instance. So then I guess without the ball, it becomes a four for two then, I guess. And I think it's just the main difference is what, what happens during attack and then what happens with that one behind the striker. How much does he lean forward towards the attack and how much does he kind of act more as a midfielder? And so I wonder if it's really, just coming back to Juventus, um, I wonder how much of it is indeed a formation change or how much of it is just a specific tactical change just on Dibala. Uh, well, in and Dibala and Locatelli slash Pentagur, has Allegri just told them to just kind of change their positioning more with the ball? Or I don't know. How, yeah, it, it, it just how much of it is a formation change and how much of it is a indeed just a specific tactical change with those three players, uh those two in front of those those two central midfielders and then uh that
1: that one in the hole. I think there's more of a difference between a four two a four four two and a four two three one than that. I also think it's it's the way the wingers play and the type of of players that you deploy on that wing. You know, in a in a four-four two for me the wingers are not at are or the wide midfielders I should say are not deployed as far up. They are not so explicitly attacking as they are in a 4-2-3-1 and that i and i and that changes the pattern of play it changes the way it changes the way passes move it changes the off ball movement which is another is another thing uh when you look at this at the formation change here is the fact that uh or it, maybe, the, and uh, I, I think this has more to do with the formation change, Chucks, you might disagree, is that over the last two games, as opposed to last week, the off-ball movement was so much better. You know, against Chelsea and Atalanta, when we did have the ball, guys that, the guy that did, anybody that didn't have the ball was just standing there. These last two games, there's been a, the off-the-ball movement has been a lot better. It's opened up a lot more, and I think that, again, to the to the point is is why, the is why the new formation is, is why it does matter why there is really a, a, a change there because it, 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 it shifts the pattern of play forward. It shifts the way that the ball is just dist- is distributed from out of the back. And, and I think that that's one of the things that's really started to suit this team is that, you know, I, I, and I think that there, there's a, a sense of, of the attacking players looking up and saying, all right, I can do this. I, I, I have permission to do this now. Let's go do it and have fun. It's a little bit like they always, uh, they always say in, in American football that the offensive line has a lot more fun run blocking than pass blocking because they get to just drive forward and, and road grade instead of having to react. And I think that's, I I think that's a, that's, I, that's something that I've palpably seen is that, is that these guys are being unleashed a little more. I think they're having a little more fun, frankly, and they're being like all right now i get to do what i want to do instead of having to react to what the other team is doing which is what that 442 was really doing because it was so defensive and so counterattacking now you know guys like Bernardeschi get to go up and have and and bernardeski has had a really low key, low key excellent game today and that i think is is the difference i think it's 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 setting guys f- free on the attacking side and it remains to be seen just how free they're going to be able to get going forward against better teams we're not going to get that probably not going to get that test until we play napoli after christmas but for the time being while they just build this up and build up some energy in this formation against lower level teams that's going to be a a a major deal i think now now wednesday becomes very interesting i think because you're looking at at a at at playing in a you know playing Malmö in a game where you just want to pile up goals just in case Chelsea you know only ever only win one nil or something at at Zenit and you can have an outside chance of catching them on goal difference that's going to be another another big marker is to see just how just how much this this change has affected that mentality.
0: Just kind of a side note. Um, I thought it was. Um... In Champions League, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was um, head-to-head record that decided to, on the side Head-to-head
1: record. is, but the head-to-head is even now.
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah. okay. And, but, yeah, yeah. I thought it was on, I, like, goals. And like, I if
1: think – I, I don't think there might be, like, head-to-head goal differences the better – Hold on, let me see. Here.
0: Yeah, I mean it's been a while since I've looked. But uh,
1: well, we
2: know who's uh, got okay. the whole the head-to-head goal difference. The
0: head-to-head goal difference
1: <laughs> is definitely Chelsea. <laughs> um, oh, my heart. Oh yeah, it's you're right. Jumps. It is goal. Di- no, you're right. I am wrong. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, goal difference in head-to-head matches is the tiebreaker. So yeah, we would yeah. have to wait. We would have. We would need Chelsea to drop points
0: yeah yeah which um, i mean i oh, know i've already given up on that so yeah,
1: i mean i'm i'm not expecting it but at the same yeah. time you try going you go to you know we were talking before yeah before the you know right after the draw that about not wanting to go to russia in the winter yeah
0: true true so i guess i have a, a negativity a... bias towards juventus or no. positivity bias towards other
1: teams yeah i i mean i'm not like i said i'm not expecting them to drop points but if they were to in there, in the scenario that they would do it, it okay. is in going on a road game to Zenit.
0: But yeah, just very uh, quickly back to the kind of the formation uh, talk there. Um, I was just actually you were talking, I was looking up the heat map courtesy of who Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, like I said, I was specifically concerned about just Dybala's positioning, and uh, well, unfortunately, this is an audio-only platform, but um, I'll describe it as well as I can. Wax so, yeah,
2: poetically, just... Chucks. Wax poetically.
0: <laughs> yeah, so well, as, he, as he looked at the waves crashing on the That's ocean right. front That's right. as Dybala stepped onto the pitch. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I'm chatting. Uh, yeah, so Dybala's position, position really is this kind of right of center, really just ahead of the mid-line, mid really, yeah, just kind of this, yeah, right of center, definitely not fully out wide, but not centrally, just this kind of, yeah, kind of in the middle on the right side, but then pretty close to the middle line, actually, much closer to the middle line than to the opposition goal line there. That's where, like, the hottest, hottest part <laughs> is, I guess, the, the darkest part. So, yeah, pretty interesting there, um, but in general, his spots are kind of really everywhere. I mean, it just, Yeah. It's kind of everywhere, but that the most prominent spot is that, um, yeah, right of center position, just ahead of the uh, central uh, midfield. Which, and again, anybody can look this up just on Whoscored.com. And, and, and he was,
1: and and that's interesting because it's you know I think that that gives him a much better ability when you consider that Bernardeski and Kulusevsky were pushing up a lot farther than the wide midfielders often do in that for in the four four two you've got him much more capable of truly connecting the lines. Like some of the most useful attacks going down were DiBala, or, or somebody like Locatelli, a little bit, you know, moving a little bit further up, releasing one of the wingers, either Kluseski or Bernadeski going, going down the field. And then Dybala would, would come up and trail and he'd either get a layoff or he'd, he'd latch onto a loose ball if the, if a defender, got a foot on it. And, and those were some of his, his best shots. I I think that it, it, it it allows him to be the trigger on the attack a lot more than if he's up at the top, kind of isolated with only one other option in the strike pair to get. And it, we always talk about how when he's not really in his best form or when the team's not in his best form, that he has that bad habit of dropping really deep to try and get the ball and start something. I think with the four, two, three, one, it makes that less of a major issue because when he does that, he's got more options to get it up to, and then he can slide in behind and either orchestrate from further up the pitch. Once they get it, once they recycle it back to him, or just get a layoff and blast it at goal. So I, I think that's a, he, he's, he's much more of a pivot and a fulcrum point. In, in that connecting in connecting the lines in this formation from that trecuartista position than he really ever was as a second as in the in that particular as a segunda punta in that particular 442
2: no, that's one of the things I noticed as well is that he was really like you, you know, like you described it, he was a fulcrum of the attack, you know, whether it was a combination with Quadrado or Kulusewski on the right, or if he was, you know, con, you know, doing a, you know, laying it off to Locatelli and Locatelli sprayed it out wide to left or right. And then, you know, especially in the first half, I noticed, you know, he would, he would do something like that. And then he'd kind of sit in that little pocket kind of at the top of the box where there weren't many defenders around him. And man there were a few times where if you just they had passed it a split second earlier he was just absolutely wide open for a shot but i think it really you know as much as we said you know from the first days of max allegri being you know rehired is that now you can really tell that the attack is both literally and figuratively built around dibala because he can now in this 4231 do so much as compared to when he's playing further up the field. And especially when you've got a striker like Alvaro Morata, who's struggling right now, is not necessarily on the ball that much. You know, he's almost, in a sense, relying on Morata to, to get the ball. And, yeah, it just this, this gets Dybala on the ball more, a lot like it gets Locatelli on the ball more. And when two of your most creative players are touching the ball Eighty times for de Ball against Genoa, and I think it was one hundred and six or one hundred and eight for Locatelli. That's a good thing. You want them to see more of the ball because then usually good things are going to happen. One hundred
0: and five. Jinx, you
1: owe me a soda. But uh and
0: I send you that in Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, <laughs> sure uh save the environment save the bitcoins um i don't i agree with you also just to talk about morata for a second i don't think he had a particularly bad game he would have had a goal or two had it not were it not for salvatore sirigu kind of going all hulk on us that that's
2: true but you can also and not to mention my postgame third again but i mean you can tell the frustration starting to get.
1: oh yeah he's really upset but i i think it was a particular brand of frustration this time whereas like like Early, you know in, in, past, in games in the recent past, he's been really frustrated because he just hasn't been playing well. In this game, he had he put himself in a lot of really good positions and was, was sniping off some really good shots and Sidigigu was just was just that damn good. I mean, that ball at the end of the first half was ju- was, I mean, how the hell I, it's, it's still difficult for me to believe that Sirigu managed to save that. I mean, Italian goalkeepers are like fine wines, man. That's just uh, you know, they they don't they don't they don't crack. But I, I think that he I think that he did better on the whole today than he has in a long time. I think if he and I think if he keeps playing like this, the game the goals are gonna come.
0: He was definitely pretty peeved off when he uh, was subbed off though.
1: Yeah. And I well, I think that also had to do with what was going on with with the the circumstances of his yellow card. Because it it almost looked it it, it almost looked to me. Like when he was booked, a, somebody on Genoa like he said something to somebody to one of the Genoa defenders, and the Genoa defender looked at the ref and said, "Did you hear what he just said?" or something like that. And and at that point, the ref booked him. I so I don't under I don't quite understand. I, I, obviously, you know, we don't we're not going to know that unless Morata says something. But uh, the the, the media is going to make a going to make a hound out of that over the next couple of days. But I I think that just had more to do with with the circumstances of his booking than anything else, and also I and also like I said, he's, it, it certainly is would be frustrating to to be in the right spots the way he has had been over the course of that game and not come away with anything when he really kind of did deserve to have something.
0: Yeah, and like like Sergio always says, I mean, Morata is a very. Uh streaky player so it's
1: like oh, the yeah.
2: dearly yeah.
1: departed the dearly departed Sergio
0: almost as good as that movie <laughs>
1: the departed and uh, <laughs> i i know we've been talking mainly about the, the 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 tactics itself over the for the couple of days for, for the first part of the show but we would be remiss now that we've gotten this far into the into the episode without mentioning holy crap one like no. damn and in the words of the immortal Ron Simmons, damn, like that is, that was, that was something I don't, you know, I know what's, I know what's going to be number one on my goals countdown come May this year. So that's a nice little... (laughs) That's a nice little piece of work already. Even uh, if
2: in, even if he didn't intend it to be a, uh, even if he didn't, <laughs> that,
1: that's even that's even better, Frank. That that makes it even better for me, frankly, because he was he was trying to go for a near post cross and ends up doinking it off. the There was a double doink. He doinked it off the bottom of the crossbar, off the inside of the post, and then in.
2: Almost almost as good was Chiellini's reaction. I know the Juventus Twitter account did a little bit of the enhance, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you just see Chiellini's, and obviously we've got you know the. Uh, the photo tool on our site so we're able to see all these things but as you can see Chiellini's facial progression go on as the ball's going both over Sirigu's hand <laughs> and then hitting off the post it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> is he really gonna do this and is then, he
1: really gonna yeah and especially after Kalhanoglu did the same thing in the intergame yesterday yeah that was it, it very much was a was a uh anything you can do I can do better moment Cause you know, I mean, when was the last time that same league hadn't had two Olympicos on in one round?
2: I can't remember two times in one season, let alone two times in yeah. one weekend.
1: Yeah. That, that was, that was an incredible goal. And it just show, goes to show any money that they give Juan Cuadrado is well earned money. So just, you know, re-sign him, <laughs> please. And then
2: I know we were mentioning both heat maps and, the amount of touches players had today. Well, Juan cuadrado if you look at his heat map from the Genoa game, there's a lot of <laughs> – it, it, I'm looking at it right now. It feels like the whole right wing is basically yellow, which on who scored is you were there a lot, which is no surprise. But then you think about how many touches he had, and it was 135, which is I feel like one of the highest numbers we've seen in a while.
0: Yeah, I think Dybala had like 70 or 80. So that's yeah, Dibala had 80 yeah.
2: and then like, 80, yeah. know, like we said, Locatelli 105. But yeah, 135 is is I mean, I, I can't remember what it was midweek in the midweek win, but yeah, it he was did
1: that in a, he did that in a couple of games under Sadi from yeah. the right back spot as well, when he just kind of was the the really uh, the attacking Fulcrum from the right wing for a lot of that season. And I mean some um,
2: some of it is somebody it is the byproduct of just the way the game is. I mean, when you've got true. 70 almost 71% possession, obviously a lot of your players are going to see a lot of the ball, but yeah, when when you've got 100 135 touches no matter how much possession you have, that's that's yeah. just crazy. And from
1: the right and from the right back spot. Wow. Yeah. Like when you're usually when your defend when a defender has 135 touches, you're talking about a game when you were hanging on, you know, when you were parking the bus and and holding on for dear life. You know, the way we thought the the way the Chelsea game looked like. Yeah, it felt like Juventus
2: uh, as a t- as a team at 135 touches against Chelsea.
1: Yeah. And and now, you know, here we are, you know, uh, two, three, four, five different guys had hundred touches in in this game. Quadrado, Bentoncourt, Locatelli, Chiellini, and Delict. The thing is, it unlike a game like Chelsea, Chiellini and Delict, a lot of their touches were, you know, up towards the halfway line looking to you know looking to release guys the had a couple of shots on uh, had a couple of shots on goal yeah he had three he had as many shots on goal as morata did and it's amazing
2: what, what were you thinking of your large quadded countrymen unleashing a couple of long distance shots
0: Yeah, why not? I mean, if you have 71% ball position, I mean, why not? You know, Go on, you know. Everybody everybody get in on the party then. I'm uh, surprised he didn't do some uh, no-look passes while he was at it, really. No, um, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, no, in a game like this, it it really is. I mean, just, you know, everybody just get in on the party. And, um, I mean, to not face a single shot all game, I mean, yeah. At that point, you just think, you know, let's just have a pop and just, like, see – even maybe rebounds or deflects off someone and just uh, goes in. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, like these kinds of games are gonna get that the confidence to do something
1: like that. If I have one issue with the way Allegri handled this game, it's once Dybala scored, why not give one of the kids a little bit of a thing? Like, why not give Matias Sula a little bit of time? Or, you know, you mean like, like an
2: actual a, debut?
1: An actual debut instead of just 30 seconds to watch a penalty kick fly over the bar. Um, <laughs> that for, I, I know I wrote this in my in my post match on that game, but I was angry about that. Like, that's your guy's professional debut as a first team player, and you're gonna let and you're, you're not even gonna put him in a situation where he touches the ball. Like, I, I mean, yes, he was stripped off before and he was stripped off and ready to come on before the penalty was taken. I get that, but. Uh, uh was called but like give give the guy put the guy in in a situation where he can at least kick the ball um like and also i'm a little did do you did pellegrini come off just because Allegri was a, was concerned about the yellow yeah that's was what that-
2: that's what he said after the game is that pellegrini okay. pellegrini came off because of the yellow and obviously he didn't want to risk it and you know brought sandra on and i, I think he was very compliment if i'm remembering correctly he was very complimentary of how pellegrini played so yeah it wasn't because he was struggling by any means it was just it, yeah no it he was like he was I was, saying,
1: I was just i was just afraid he was hurt when i saw him coming off yeah but the, no the, the, but the yellow card makes th- makes sense yeah and i because and and it and it also does make sense that you you might want to have to protect him on that because you know sorry if i make you have to do a little bit more work danny but he plays like a bit of a doesn't he He's a, like, he's a pest, he's a yeah, pest, and I mean
2: like, honestly, I remember when you know when I was in college, you know, that, that's what it, it felt like our entire team's fullbacks were just pests. And yeah. you know what? You you need you know, as we've as we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast, some of our favorite players from years past, they're dicks. Yeah. I mean, you think yeah. about it, Stefan Lichsteiner, he's, he's oh f- but he's our f- f-. Mario Marzukich, yeah. exactly the same thing so. You think about it, I mean, hell, throw Arturo Vidal in there I, thought, well. I was going to
1: say the exact same thing.
2: You know, some, some of the most beloved players of the last decade for Juventus... Yeah, Cristiano
0: Ronaldo. <laughs> that
2: go, I don't know if you've watched All or Nothing yet, Chucks, but you deserve to go out in the sunshine <laughs> and sunbathe after that comment. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've not actually yet. But yeah, like yeah. I was saying, some of the most beloved players are... They've got a little bit of an attitude to them. And yeah. I think Pellegrini, you know, he's brought that to a team that honestly doesn't have much of it
1: yeah I think you're right and I and, and I like it like you know in the Lazio game he was you know he the way he played like f- there was a point early in the second half where you could see Felipe Anderson was visibly angry and and you know he, he was it was really frustrated a about just how well he was playing but also because you know he was like you were saying he was re- a real pest and he'd probably taken a couple of pieces out of him over the game over the course of the game there he, he's uh, he doesn't look like he, he looks like he's pretty free with the trash talk. And, and it's, it, it is kind of refreshing to have a guy like that in the team again. And it's another reason why I really want him to keep going because, uh, and, and, and really, really see if you, if this is a claim, that, um, if this is a claim that he can solidify on this, on, uh, on this roster and in this starting 11, because ev- there, there so far has not been a game in which he has not been, good at, at the very least good, if not really excellent. I, I, I just, I want to see him keep playing.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing you worry about is that, you know, he has a few bad games right off the bat and then his confidence just goes in the tank, but that definitely hasn't happened for him. And I think that's yeah. not only has Allegri reward him with more playing time of late, but he's fought. He's backing it up with continuously solid performances. And honestly, with how up and down, sandro has been ever since that strong start i mean you know consistently solid is going to do the job when you've when you've got a, a defense that has struggled pretty much you know for yeah. a good portion of the
1: season i mean when you have a guy like you know when you have a lich esque player who's just a who's who just gets on guys nerves and plays like he's you know you know if and you know plays so hard that you you know there was a joke that my friends and i had about Lichtsteiner how to make a door one, place Stefan Licksteiner in front of the wall. Step two, tell Stefan Licksteiner, run. Step three, once Stefan Licksteiner has broken through the wall, hang the door. You know, he, he and he plays like that. And it was, you know, that was one of the, the, the things that really, really put Juve on that pa- on the, the path to greatness was, was you know, having a, a, a player with an attitude like that. It set the tone. It also got rid of Marco Motta on the right side of defense and Marco Motta was a very bad bad man but Pellegrini also does really look to be having some quality and you know I've seen you know I've seen a lot of people in social media a lot of people in conversations I've had say that they don't think that Pellegrini is is good enough to start for Juventus that we're just taking a shine. They think that we're just taking a shine to him because Sandro has been so inconsistent. I don't necessarily think that's the case. You know, his first game of the year was against Napoli and he was really good in that game for the first, you know, and then they took, they took him off basically because he didn't have 90 minutes in his legs at that point, but he played really well in that game. The second game of the season was against Lazio played really well again in that game against a guy in Felipe Anderson, who's one of the most informed wingers in Serie A. And now you, you bring him in here again, you know, these last two, these last two games. And he again, excelled. And yes, those were, you know, these last two games are, are against two of the bottom teams in the league, but you can only play, you can only beat who you play in front, who's in front of you. And you also, again, look back before that. Two of the team, you know, one of the teams that's fighting for the title and one of the teams that Juve is going to be fighting for that fourth spot were his first two opponents of the year. And he really excelled against them. So I do think he's got some quality and I do think that he could be, you know, a Lichtsteiner on the other, on the left side, who who you know sets the tone, you know, aggravates guys and and starts you know maybe maybe bringing back some of the you know the Grinta. You 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 need the Grinta guys, and they're you know they've been in in desperately short supply, especially since Mandzukic left.
2: And I'm just glad Juventus is getting something from the Spinazzola swap deal because man, Thank it was you. man, it was looking bad the first couple of years.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, and, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing and like deal. at the
1: and like at the time, I didn't necessarily mind it because you know Pellegrini he hadn't played a lot at Roma, but what he had played, I and I'd seen, I'd liked. Well, that and that's and the thing about like- that.
2: That's the thing about that deal is because I remember with uh, speaking with Bren from Chiesa di Totti, and we were both upset about that deal because yeah. both players go, you know, both players were liked by their now former clubs. So it's like, you know, Ro- you know, Bren was like, why the hell are we giving up Pellegrini? And then I'm like, well, you're getting Spinazzola, and Juventus is giving up Spinazzola, So it's not like yeah. you're getting a bad player in return.
1: Yeah, and then he, but, you know, then he, he went on the typical, you know, sojourn of loans that so many good players just don't come back from. Or if they do, they're in their late 20s like Immobile was when he got back to to Lazio now think of what the forward line might be right now. If, if somebody at the Juventus Academy had decided to, or in the front office had decided to keep Ciro Immobile around, you know, can never accurately predict these things, but if he turned into the same player he is now and he was in a Juventus shirt, that's a lot of things that Juventus wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be talking about missing. Now we'd still, still probably be seeing him, you know, miss, shot after shot after shot with the national team, but that's an entirely different story. But, you know, it's, it's a, you know, again, it's like I said in that article that I posted during the international break, it was, we have to start looking at the younger players and we have to start letting them be contributors because a lot of them are good enough. And you just have to give them that chance because if you do like Roberto Mancini said a couple of, of weeks ago in a press conference, you know, in you know sometimes in six weeks in the space of six months he goes from guy who'd be on the fringes of your bench to who to guy who's playing for the national team like look at Giacomo Respadori at Sassuolo he 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 came pretty much out of nowhere and right now he's he should be in my opinion in contention to be one of the start to be a starter at the in the world cup playoffs because again Immobile sucks once he puts on the other shade of blue and this is why I'm, this is why I talk about a guy like Rovella so much because bring Rovella on back into the fold next year, put him in get, uh, next to a guy like Locatelli because he's been playing, you know, Genoa has been garbage all year, but Rovella has not been. Rovella has played well. Make that. And then you've got a really inexpensive, but potentially quality move. You know, we got Rovella for what, 18 million.
2: We got to see part of that swap deal play today too.
1: Yeah, that's right. Nova sure played at the is. very end, and he he actually scored a goal in midweek, didn't he? Or no, I think it got chalked off or something like that. It did, yeah. Because yeah. they lost three 0 Yeah, they lost. Yeah, but but he was you know, but he, he 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 had something in the net and was disallowed. But for for something like Ravella, first off, and I mean, you don't want to ma- be making first team decisions like this, but you know, put you know, play Ravella next year, and then maybe that's a little bit less of a plus Valenza move and a little bit more of an actual sporting move. Then at that point, and then again young guy hungry guy what did we you know we, we've got to get hungry again let's get these hungry guys in Chies is hungry Locatelli's hungry you know Pellegrini's hungry after two years of, of so, uh, you know out in, in loans let's get the hungry guys in there and let's see if they eat
2: Matias De is definitely hungry look at him
1: Matthias Delic, I'm surprised that Matthias looked like I'm surprised that there is any food within a two mile radius of Matthias Delic. He just eats. It, he probably just eats it all.
2: He's just constantly like that gif of him just shoving pasta into yeah. his face.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Imagine if him and Michael Phelps were roommates. Oh that's right. A lot, a lot
1: of, a lot of calories <laughs> no. being consumed. Yeah, a lot it, of calories. That's... It's like an offensive lineman's dinner, you know.
2: <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up with a couple of Twitter questions here. First one from our buddy Vincent Ferrara at Juventino underscore BNA: Does Max Allegri find a winning formula, only to give up on it after a few wins, just on principle?
1: I don't necessarily know about giving up on it just on principle because we've we have seen in the past that when he makes a change and it works, he sticks to it what I think could spook him. And we saw this, we saw this uh, the last time he was around, but we saw this the last time the 4-2-3-1 happened, you know, the 4-2-3-1, we kind of rampaged through everybody until Cardiff, Cardiff was was Cardiff. And then he started the 4-2-3-1 with the 4-2-3-1 next year. And he was, Juve were still winning, but they were also leaking goals at a larger rate than normal for them at the time. And by about November, Allegri started, Allegri kind of sort of panicked on that count and gave up the 4-2-3-1 and put in a, an extra midfielder. At that point, it was Blaise Matuidi, who started getting more, much more regular playing time as, as the third man in the mid. That's the thing that I think could see this get abandoned if it were if it does, and I really hope it doesn't. But if if you know, especially if Juve start playing higher quality up, you know, when, when Juve do start hitting the higher quality opposition again after Christmas, and if they start ble- if they start bleeding goals, if the results start going south a little bit, does Allegri start dropping back to his gotta keep the goals out first, gotta keep the goals out first, instead of just trusting the formation to do its job and and just win the game? That's the that's the scenario in which I could see us. Regressing back from this, and I do think it would be a regression because unless he comes up with something else that's not that four four two, it you know I, then the, the team I think would just go back to playing like 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 garbage. But that that's the scenario I could see this. I could see the fourth uh, the 4-2-3-1 kind of being abandoned.
0: Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. I think I mean Allegri is stubborn, but he's not like. Completely absurdly uh, delusional. I think at the end of the day, if we just keep, yeah, keep winning, most of all, if we just keep, like you said, Sam, if we keep clean sheets or in a reasonable level, then I think, yeah, I mean, I imagine he'll keep it. Again, midweek, we have uh, Melma at home. And yeah, if we keep a clean sheet there, then actually we'll have had uh, six goals conceded and six in the Champions League and then 16 and 16 in the league. So it would be a perfect. One goal conceded, well, perfect, actually, not very perfect, but yeah, a straight one goal conceded in every game on average. So uh, food for thought.
2: Question here from at Bruins 77 after watching All or Nothing, and of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, do you think in light of how the current season has gone that Max Allegri was the right choice, or should they have stayed the course with Andrea Pirlo? It doesn't seem to be any better under Max.
0: This I haven't seen be, it, so I
1: can't comment. Yeah, on so I was that. just about
2: to say. Obviously, Chuck's is going to cop out because he hasn't watched, and I'm not sure how much Sam has watched. And for the record, I, I have watched all of it. So
1: I haven't seen a ton. I haven't been able to see a ton of it yet. From what I have seen, I, 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 I do think that Pirlo should have been kept on. Not anything to do with Max. Although I, you know, we all know that I. Everybody who's ever spoken to me about Juventus knows I have my problems with Max, but, but not. Because of any specific problem that I have with Max, in terms of why I think Pirlo should have been kept on, I just thought that things were kind of trending. Things were trending upward by the end of the season with Pirlo. I think he had started to find his footing. I think the team had started to find their footing uh, in those in those last in that last month of the season. And at the end of the day, I think a project needs to actually be a project. And I I don't think that we should have cut another coach loose after a year it was a disappointing year to be sure but i i i think that we should have stayed with that project for another season as opposed to just making another panic you know another panic firing and and restarting the process all over again because that's why that's why as the questioner said things haven't looked that much different with max because max has had to build from the ground up again where pilo looked by the end of the season like there was kind of a foundation to be worked from yeah i i would have i would have enjoyed seeing Pirlo in for another season i i do kind of think that we would be in a little bit better of a position
0: yeah i mean i'll just say uh, sorry very quickly danny uh, i don't think Pirlo should have been appointed in the first place so i think that's really kind of the yeah whole you know from there it was just a chain reaction of like catching up to your initial mistake but i yeah i think he shouldn't have been appointed in the in the first place
2: Okay, so your homework for next week is is to watch All or Nothing, Chucks. There you
0: go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll be on vacation, but uh, you know, you've uh, got I a long
2: flight ahead of you. you just killed yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. True, true. Yeah, yeah. I'll see if uh, Andrea wants to watch it with me. So. <laughs> yeah, she might actually. Yeah. So hey, why not?
2: <laughs> well, on that note, as we've assigned Chuck some homework for the week and all that good stuff, thank you for the Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can follow us there as well as on facebook search black and white and red all over as always like we said at the beginning of the show you can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform whether that is itunes apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify subscribe like all that good stuff there leave us a rating you know the deal by now we say it every week so for sam for chucks and for the dearly departed sergio romero This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.